2: 18 plus.
0: It was just before 7.30 p.m. on February 9th, 2004, when Maura Murray
2: was last seen. Her car was found damaged, locked, and abandoned on Route 112, just outside of the White Mountains of New Hampshire.
0: Her disappearance has haunted and frustrated family, friends, and a community of people searching for the
2: truth. Since that night, there has never been a credible sighting.
0: You're listening to the Missing Moramari Podcast. Welcome back to the Missing More Murray podcast. How's it going, Lance?
2: It's going pretty good. How are you, Tim?
0: Doing really well. We had uh, quite an amazing night on Tuesday on Spreecast.com, wouldn't you say?
2: Yeah, and that, uh, that really, um, it's still with me, you know. Um, it's been a couple of days since we did that, and, and you know I'm still thinking about the energy that was in that, uh, that Spreecast uh, broadcast. It was really cool.
0: Yeah, we had a lot of people chatting with us, and we were we had a lot of questions come in, and uh, and so that was just a, a lot of fun. And we got to a lot of questions, I think, um, but there were definitely some that we couldn't get to.
2: Yeah, the uh, all of the comments that were going on on the sidebar in Spreecast, uh, first, well, they, they were excellent conversations going on between the listeners um it was a little distracting because there were so many really good comments and before we knew it an hour and a half went by and we honestly could have done it for another hour and a half another two hours even which is why we'll schedule another show soon and any comments that we couldn't get to just log back in and and submit them and uh, hopefully we can get to everybody uh on the second round but there's uh there's a lot to talk about out there and we we saw it firsthand on tuesday
0: Yes. A lot of curiosity. Um, everyone's got a question and that's great. And because, especially because we got to some things in the live show that we had never touched on or really followed up on, I guess is maybe even a better way to put it. Like, uh, like the airbag deployment, um, was a good one. Um, we had gotten many emails and tweets about that. A lot of other things, a lot of loose ends. And of course, James Renner joined us on this live show and, uh, he was pretty great, and he's got a, a. Sounds like a bombshell to drop Friday at noon on his blog.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's really typical with the, with this case that you think you have a bombshell. I'm kind of looking at it. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to get any uh, any anticipation of something huge coming down because these things tend to happen with this case, um, as as you know.
0: And chances are people who are listening to this uh, have already visited that blog, so they know what that info is, and uh, we don't know exactly right now.
2: Once we find out, and if it is big enough, we'll stop what we're doing and uh, and, and do a special uh, show on that, I'm, a, I'm, I'm imagining.
0: Before we play the broadcast of the live show from this past Tuesday, just wanted to remind everyone to follow us on Twitter at Maura Murray Doc. Uh, Follow us on Facebook at The Disappearance of Maura Murray, or just you can type in Maura Murray. Also, we're on Instagram as Missing Maura Murray, and wanted to remind everyone to call the hotline. We still have the hotline open for your theories, your poetry, uh, anything you'd like to say to us. You can call this voicemail line, and we will record it, and we will eventually play these on the show. The number for the hotline is one 256 2872 872 256 2872
2: and that actually works out as one 25 mora And I can't wait to get in there and pick out the best ones and, and put them out there for everybody to hear. Also, we should probably remind people about the meetup that we're having on November 7th. Uh, you want to give them the details on that, Tim? Sure, yep, it's in East Boston, it's on Saturday, November
0: 7th, and uh, we haven't even really picked a time yet, but I imagine it's going to be during the afternoon, some somewhere around noon, something like that, and uh, we are definitely going to go ahead and do it now, we got en- enough responses that we're definitely going to do it, we want to record some audio, and we definitely want to bring our cameras around, and maybe even get some interviews for the documentary.
2: Yeah, that sounds good. I mean, it's uh, it's always something pretty remarkable when you get a group of people together for a few hours and uh, nothing else to focus on but this case. So looking forward to that.
0: Right. And of course, if you don't want to be on camera or on the audio, that is fine. There's no pressure there. Um, just come down, meet us. We're pretty nice guys. So without further ado, here is the Spreecast broadcast from this past Tuesday night. And of course, we're going to do more So uh, stay tuned to this podcast. And please tell your friends about this and retweet it. We really appreciate all the eyes and ears on this case. Everybody. Welcome to the Missing Moro Murray live show. How's it going, fellas? Hello, everybody. Good, good. How are you? Doing really well.
1: Great. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for letting me be here. This is very strange. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about all this. <laughs>
0: well, you, uh, you look great. Thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. We do have some topics that we want to talk about, but we really just want to take questions from you guys and do it that way because we've been getting so many amazing emails and tweets in that we really felt like we owed it to you to um, do something like this and just respond directly to all the questions and everything.
2: Yeah, and I also think that – this is a good, uh, like preliminary reset to everything. You know, let's, let's, let's figure out what's, what, what we've learned so far.
0: Oh, James, you posted another, another blog today. Uh-oh, <laughs> I didn't see this one yet.
2: Uh-oh, uh-oh. Oh no?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, uh, I, I, people are sending me some of these old articles that I've been researching this case for five years and somehow there are still articles out there that I haven't read that were reported on years ago. And, there's some information that's been lost over time that I think is very important and kind of um, fits in with uh, some of this new information that's popped up lately.
0: I was taken aback when I saw your, uh, your article about how, you you felt before you spoke to these this person, that yeah, you felt there was a ninety percent chance Mara was alive and living a new life and after these conversations that you had, you're now fifty fifty. And that that really spoke to me as as a pretty strong statement.
1: It's very surprising, uh, you know, it's it's the nature of these these things and, and when you're writing articles and books, you know, you think you have a pretty good sense of of, of the mystery and how all the pieces fit together. And then in the 11th hour, something falls from the sky and completely changes your perspective on things. Um, I'm still reporting on it. I'm still researching it. I'm still trying to track down some sources. Um, uh, but I have turned information over to the cold case unit this week. Uh, I've been in contact with them. I've sent them probably 10 emails. Um, and I, am I've been in contact with a private uh, investigator who's helping me on this. Um, and, uh, um, it's uh, it's causing me to take a whole new look at it, and um, I know I'm going to have to rewrite um, or add a little bit uh, to the book. Um, I'm waiting to see how much that changes, um, but I, I guarantee you, your opinion on this case will uh, be altered uh, very shortly.
2: Wow, that's going to be nearly impossible for you. It's going to be incredibly frustrating to be uh, trying to put this out, and there's no like there's no solution to it yet, you know. And you have to be prepared for these things to pop up.
1: Yeah, and and that's you know I look at these books, and it was the same way with the Amy Mahalovic case. Is part of the reason why I'm writing these books and getting it out there is the books themselves will generate new interest in the case and new leads, and so it just serves as a uh, as a part of it, uh, as a part of the whole. Um, and it's not you know you can't write a definitive book on an unsolved case because it is an age unsolved. So, you know, that's why the blogs come in. That's like why the podcasts come in. That's every, everything's a piece of it. And the book is just one piece, um, depending on when it comes out. Um, you know, uh, you, it, it, you know, that's, that's how complete it will be. It'll be complete at the moment, but then things evolve from there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: James, we have a question from Jessica Matthews. She asks, how much money have you spent on this case over the
1: years? It's an interesting question. Um, you know, one of the one of the main <laughs> one of the the main, uh, uh, you know, easy way, you know, easy things to say, you know, when I'm I'm talking about this case online is, you know, people take pot shots and they'll say, well, you're just out to make money. And uh, if you if you looked at the amount of money I spent on this case compared to what I'm going to make on the book, um, I, you know, I'm lucky. I, I'm hoping to break even, you know, just on records alone, I've spent. Um, My wife's upstairs. I should be kind of quiet about this. Uh, I've spent over uh, probably close to $600 just on records. And then there's travel there's going out to Massachusetts, um, you know, uh, D.C. I was in D.C. and, you know, uh, constant trips. Uh, You know, I I, if I were to estimate it, it's going to end up being around 10 grand somewhere around there.
2: I mean you you're not even thinking about the money now right at some point you have to stop thinking about how much money you're spending on it right because you're you' you're like embedded yeah. uh well
1: yeah uh, it it's also spread out over the course of six five or six years you know it's it's a little here a little there and you try and wrap it up into other business you know um so if I have to go to New York, um there were a couple of times I had to go into the city and I just took the long way home and went to New Hampshire and the good thing is. You can write it all off. So, um, you know, at least that helps a little bit.
0: Leah Kinman says, what's James' percentage now on Alive or Dead for Mora?
1: I would say it's, um, I'm leaning now towards 60% uh, deceased, unfortunately. Um, And, uh, you know, it's quickly tanking the more information uh, that has come in this week. So it's very defeating. Um, I want her to be alive. I want her to be out there. I want her to be living a, um, a secret life up in Canada or Ireland or Australia somewhere and uh, and just having a good time um, knowing she got away from all of her troubles um, I just I, I don't it doesn't seem likely this week.
2: Do you think deceased like murdered or do you think deceased uh, suicide or accidental? Yeah okay
1: no I think uh, if if more Murray is not alive I believe. Uh, she was murdered,
0: and you said in your blog by someone she knows. Most likely,
1: yeah, of course.
0: Yeah, I guess that of that course. would make a lot of sense. Yes. Yeah, we have a question here from Christiane Flore, Fiore. She says, "Can you discuss what we know Mora took with her versus what was missing from her car?"
1: Um, if you're if you're asking me, you know. There's it's it's very hard to definitively say because we don't know what more it took. We don't know what else was in that car. Um, I think we know for sure that the black backpack um, and uh, some alcohol were taken from the car. Certainly, to me, I think there was too much for her, um, too much that she removed from the car that she could easily have walked down the street or into the woods with it. I think there was enough there that she... Um, unloaded into a back seat and then climbed into a vehicle or into the back of a truck or, or whatever. But yeah, so it's, I mean, it's hard to tell who, cause we don't know, we, we don't know where she is and the, the rest of the items that were with her. Is that about what you guys remember?
2: There's nothing more than I could add that, that you didn't just say. Yeah.
0: I was just going to say specifically, I think, uh, I think that we read in the police reports that she, or at least the the Kahlua bottle wasn't there. Um, but we know the box of red wine was there, and I think there was a six pack of a Seagram's um, wine cooler that was still in the car, as well as the uh, the Not Without Peril book. And
1: yeah, there's there's some discrepancy, some wiggle room as to like how much of the alcohol was left and how much wasn't. What she took with her, what she didn't. Uh, but uh, you know, and another one of these articles that I read today, you know, it describes the amount of alcohol there that you know there's. It's just so much. It's too much for it was too much for one person. Even if you're going to commit suicide, first of all, you, you you don't drink yourself to death with <clears throat> with uh, red box wine and uh, and halua. Um, it's, it's she was heading up there to meet with somebody.
2: Was the box of wine um, from the party the night before, or uh, that that Saturday night? Someone had emailed us and said that uh, they had read somewhere that the box of wine was from the party. It was well, the box of wine that they bought at the store with, uh, when they went to the store with uh, Fred before they went out to dinner.
1: I think the, the, the best person to ask that question to is, is uh, either Sarah Alfieri or, or Kate Markopoulos.
2: Yeah, I mean, they're probably on right now. Let me just scroll through to see. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they are.
0: <laughs> we had been getting a lot of emails asking about the airbag deployment in uh, in the car and why the passenger side airbag would have went off if no one was in the passenger seat and uh, we did a little research on this and actually lance and i recorded a segment that never made the air about this and we just we didn't think i guess we didn't think uh, we would get that many comments about it but we we really did so we have to mention it and i um and i have the article here so i just want to read this briefly and this is from cars.com it says since september first, two 2006 cars and trucks sold in the us have been required to have advanced airbags in the front can be uh, that can be turned off if weight sensors detect the seat is empty or occupied by someone or a thing that is lightweight and i believe the weight was somewhere between 25 and 40 pounds um so and we know morris car was a 1996 So there was no federal mandate, no regulation suggesting that a Saturn from 1996 would have a sensor on the passenger side airbag. In fact, we're pretty sure there wasn't uh, a sensor, although I guess we, uh, you know, we don't really know specifically about Saturns, but pretty sure that there wasn't.
1: Wouldn't this be the best case to do an episode of Mythbusters for? You could do the rag and the tailpipe. You know, you could do the, 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 the turn, you could do the airbags. It would be great to definitively know, That's you know, how, how that car would have reacted to all that.
0: Actually, yeah, that is one of our plans for, for an upcoming episode to uh, to test out the rag in the tailpipe and see if a car really can run and we want to... Uh,
2: and like how far it can run. Yeah, and hopefully
0: go along in the car with a uh, an actual mechanic.
2: Question here from
0: Brenda Sue. Was there any investigation or any ideas about the Murray family um, family dynamics, abuse, or anything like that? Uh, that's, a, that's a dicey one, um, to, to, uh, a hot one. Very to dicey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we don't want to make accusations here, but uh, as um, the forensic psychology professor Robert Eckstein said, that um, abuse or sexual abuse would fit in with, Mora's path if she was a hypomanic which is pretty much what he thought in a hypomanic state
2: i thought one of the better uh or one of the blog posts that you had james that stood out to me for a long time was your interview with uh with um sister with kathleen it was with kathleen right and she describes how fred uh fred pushed them and but he was the best father that they could have that
1: was uh, that was actually julie um, I, I, that was one of my trips to DC. I, um, I, I managed to catch Julie at her apartment and, um, you know, but, uh, you know, I think Julie can talk to that. And I think, um, you know, another guy, guy that you guys might want to have on at some point is Tim Carpenter, who was, uh, Kathleen Murray's, um, husband for a time. Um, mm-hmm. you know, he had certainly had some interesting things to say, uh, along that, along that topic. Um, certain, there's no doubt that Fred was, um, Uh, a big part of the girls' lives. And uh, when I went to Hanson and talked to the former coaches that taught Julie and Maura uh, for track, um, you know, they, you know, they're like, you know, Fred's, uh, you know, they didn't have much bad to say about him, but, you know, they described Fred as the type of guy that is always in their shadow, always pushing them. And Julie confirmed this too. And, you know, the type of guy that have, has his daughters run drills on Christmas morning. Um, you know, because you have to have that conditioning every day, he's driving them. He drove them to West Point. He drove them to succeed. So, um, you know, he's, he's controlling, he's, uh, uh, a little more, um, you know, involved in his daughter's lives than uh, the typical parent.
0: Um, we have a question here from Chloe Cantor. Is there confirmation about which side of Mora's windshield was cracked when I cracked when I saw the car this summer? It appeared to me it was from the outside, not the inside. And uh, I think as far as the side, it was definitely the driver's side. Uh, we've all seen the car, but um, th- that is one thing that that I've always wondered: is that you know, policemen make mistakes too. Could could there have been a mistake in the police report that the windshield crack came from the outside and not from the inside uh that looking at the car the the crack on the windshield is is at the very top of the windshield and you can see it if you google the a picture of the car and it always struck me as odd it always struck me as maura wasn't tall enough to have caused that crack with her head and furthermore wouldn't butch at would have said oh she was bleeding from her head
2: the uh the crack on the windshield always gets kind of misconstrued into um she hit her head on the windshield i think fred actually said at one point or in the letters that fred had he said possibly with a head injury she's wandering around in the frigid cold um but that's not like uh, speaking as someone who has hit their head against the windshield that's not what happened as it looks like something it looks like something other than her head hit the windshield and it looks like it was done from the outside that's that's honestly what it looks like windshields typically um it looks like a rock really windshields like will spiderweb a little bit more when you when your head hits them and i don't believe she would have been going fast enough to with the airbags going off right the driver's side airbag went off that should prevent you from hitting your head against the windshield unless you're going like 130 right and at that point you're probably going out of the car and you're going to bleed and there was no there was no blood right i don't think
1: so yeah,
0: not reported yeah. in the police reports didn't seem like it in the car that, you know, I know we only could get about 10 feet from the car, but didn't seem like any blood to me. Um, so then so then that would suggest that uh, that that windshield crack happened uh, elsewhere, not not during that crash
2: or something else during the crash. Right. I mean, it could like have rock could have kicked up or something
0: could have could have been a rock. It could have happened before this um, accident, I suppose. But I would say that you know any cop would have pulled her over if you, if they see a big spider crack down your windshield. That's most cops I think would probably pull you over for that.
1: Yeah, I don't here. think she could have driven for long with that crack in in the windshield.
0: Here's a question about the the report that Faith Westman had about a person smoking a cigarette in the car. The first thing she said when uh, speaking to police. I don't think any of us here believe that there was a person smoking in the car. Um, because of the airbag going off, and I know we talked about this on another episode, and we did get a lot of comments about this, too. Uh, we said, you know, the first thing that, you know, someone would do if you were trying to get away, and, you know, it's a high-stress situation, I know we know smokers obviously smoked during high-stress situations, but this is a situation where if there was a second person in the car, they would have been ready to get into that other car, like, you know, and probably wouldn't take the time to smoke a cigarette, but with that said, we still don't know, have no idea. Maybe this person, if there was a person who smokes three packs a day and couldn't control themselves, I admit I would have no idea. I do not smoke cigarettes. But would the cops have smelt smoke if someone had really been smoking a cigarette in the car?
2: I just I just think it's not happening. Yeah, I think it's, I don't think, I, I think it was a reflection. I think it might have been the cell phone or something. I just don't i just don't I just don't see someone lighting up after after an accident, and i don't there has to be somebody else like where did that person go at that point? because no one saw a second person there.
1: I've talked to faith Westman and and she's since you know she was very adamant with me she said she never she never thought it was and never said that it was a cigarette, never said it was a man or never said it was a man sitting in the car. Um, that was extrapolated later. Um, she just saw a red light, you know, and and yeah, it very well could have been a, a cell phone. It could have been anything inside the car. But yeah, no, I don't think anybody was. I, I personally don't think anybody was just hanging out there smoking.
0: Here's a an interesting question from Matt and Kelly. It says, is it possible that other first responders, um, parentheses, firemen were close by in Haverhill or someone listening to a scanner could have arrived before police? And parentheses again, Cecil Smith. I'm not sure who Cecil Smith is.
1: Cecil Smith was the uh, chief of police in Haverhill at the time. All right. Yeah. I take that back. He was an officer and he later became chief of police after after Williams left there.
0: I don't. I don't think that's possible, Matt and Kelly. Though, right? I mean, I feel like, you know, there were enough eyeballs sort of watching that area, that, um, that probably if it was another car that came by. Uh, another emergency vehicle or or something like that maybe maybe it would have been seen with maybe there would have been lights
1: yeah this gets into that whole uh, thing about you know people there's this weird conspiracy theory out there that a cop came to the scene first and you know it's the cop that that took mora and um you know butch atwood's afraid to say that um and so he took that to the grave with him, and it was this everybody knows that no 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 the police had nothing to do with with Maura Murray's disappearance it was uh, i've interviewed the cop that was there early on um you know the, the cops the, the police here they're they're above suspicion
2: yeah i think you're right i think it's uh there's just so much talk out there that if you think about it long enough you can pretty much like wrap your head around anything happening to her at that point and when you start thinking about the cops um you know, the first responder is it's you, 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 you know, if you, if you've got enough time under your hands, you start putting, you know, connecting dots that shouldn't be connected. And is that what this, uh, is that what Matt and Kelly are saying here? Because uh, Cecil or Cecil Smith is in parentheses. Is that what, what's being indicated here? Someone listening to a scanner could have arrived before the police.
1: I mean, the first responder was, I mean, Cecil Smith, uh, is in the report but you know there's yeah. this hint that there was this other police officer that was there i've spoken to cecil smith i've spoken to the other officer these are you're a good guys. cecil smith's a good guy williams the chief of police um is, is a dirt bag um but he had nothing to do with anything then
2: oh this is interesting
0: <laughs> um the question from tom here yeah has the disappearance of brianna maitland ever been discussed on the podcast
2: i I almost don't want to get into it because it's that's no, we haven't discussed it on the podcast yet. Uh, we might have alluded to it, but um that's like a whole nother case. and we are looking into like we are following this simultaneously we we you know it's something that something that I follow at the same time um, as uh, as I follow the the Mora case um, and uh, it's almost too much to bring in at this point if that makes sense.
0: Do you want to just go over what, what, uh, some small details about it real quick, just so uh, the people who aren't familiar with it, uh, understand?
2: I kind of don't, I kind of don't because it's, um, I mean, you can, people can go and they can Google it now. I just don't want to, um, like the, uh, like the cigarette. I don't want people to start getting hung up on, on Brianna Maitland now. Right. But it, it was a
0: missing girl who, or a girl who went missing right around the same area around the same time. Um, and I believe her body was found. Is that correct?
2: I I really like people are going to look into this and they're going to, yeah, they're going to figure it out on their own and they're going to put it together and they're going to come up with their own theories. I, I really don't want to push anything. Okay. Because I, I really, like, <laughs> I, you know, I want to make this more like a, uh, like, let's, let's, you know, figure out what we've learned so far and what people have learned listening to this and reading James's blog without introducing a whole new mystery. That's fair. I personally don't think they're related. By the way.
0: Okay. Okay. Here's one. I I know we've covered James Conrad on the show before, but it's a question from Chloe. Does anyone uh, actually think that James A. Conrad has credibility in his Facebook comments? And uh, his Facebook comments, if uh, if you're not familiar, are that uh, that the New Hampshire State Police are aware that Mora was killed, and they are pretty sure they know where um she was buried i guess was under the foundation of someone's house is what james conrad said and that the police they won't um arrest this person because they're afraid that they cannot get a conviction
2: i don't know i i think that maybe james conrad's facebook page might have been hacked or something it's typical with this case that something comes up every like 2 months or you know every like whatever seven weeks six weeks and all of a sudden it's this big thing and then you realize that you've just been kind of taken for a ride and um unfortunately you have to kind of go on the ride right before you know you've been taken for a ride so um i don't believe that this is credible at all i don't think that someone's going to put themselves out there with those kind of accusations on facebook and then not publicly say anything else the guy just kind of disappeared and we put we 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 asked him we asked to talk to him and he deleted our comments he didn't you know he deleted our messages and and never got in touch with us um, which just shows to me that it's probably somebody who looked into the case found the name and and maybe hacked him I don't know what do you think James
1: Yes to all that um, you know it's it's possible it was uh, you know the you know, his Facebook thing was hacked. I think you give him a little too much credit. I, I think it's probably the real James Conrad. Um, the real James Conrad is no longer a police officer for very good reasons, um, you know, which which you've covered before. We've talked about this. So no, is he credible? No, 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 no,
0: right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no. Right. No, no.
0: Um, okay, here's a question from writer Nancy. Does anyone know where Kate Markopoulos and Sarah Elferi are now
1: they're out there they're doing um you know I wish they'd come forward and 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 be on 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 Lance and Tim's podcast and answer some questions if they don't want to answer my questions you know talk to somebody else but uh tell us the story tell us this story that you've only told Fred once and you don't want to tell anybody else
2: this is a good question that we were asked recently what would be the point of them doing that why would they benefit from doing that, other than satisfying our curiosity? If they knew where she was and everything was fine, what would be the point? I don't like asking that question. By the way,
1: I think it. I think they could end a lot of this discussion. You know, I on my blog I have to approve every comment, and there's so many comments coming in. You know, especially since you guys have started your podcast, that it's hard to keep up, and I, I try and filter them, but there's still a lot that gets through. That the question. You know, Kate and Sarah's culpability in uh, the disappearance it, even to the extent of you know maybe they just helped more get up to New Hampshire and, and know that she's alive. Um, you know it could clear up a lot of that suspicion. Um, I don't understand why Sarah um, reacted so strangely when I showed up to ask her some questions and um, you know I, I don't understand Kate's um, inability to remember anybody else at the party. Um, you know, and she says it's because, you know, I didn't talk to her until ten years after the event, but I've talked to the police who who questioned her the week that Mora was missing, and she couldn't remember for them either. So, you know, why the deception? You know, just clear all that up.
0: Uh here's a question from Olivia McKenzie. Can you do another show with a different psychic and not feed him or her as much information? Would love to see what someone with no info at all says
2: about the case. Lance, you want to take this one? No. I mean, you can you can take it. I, I, all I know is I was there the night that um, we called, or you called, um, Lori Bruno. Uh, it was before the podcast. It was before a website. We had just gotten back to um, Massachusetts from Canada, and we didn't tell her anything other than you told her your name, Tim. And... So I I don't I don't think that uh, beforehand I don't think that we were feeding her anything during maybe without knowing during the the, the session when we were with her uh, we might have said some stuff and we might have um, I don't know she might have like reacted to our body language a bit though that I wasn't aware of but. Honestly, like, if she did that, then she's got she's highly intuitive, in, intuitive, and she's able to uh to get details out. Um, either way, it's not bad. Either way, it's it's uh a fresh perspective. I know that if she was legit or not legit, it doesn't matter. She she opened my eyes to like looking up in that area a little bit deeper. You know, looking at bodies of water up there, um, and and the whole red truck thing, um. And yes, I know she could have just pulled names out of a, out of a hat. She could have done the, uh, the, the the genealogy in her head while she was uh, sitting there with her eyes closed, but um, it still opens your mind a bit.
1: I think so. If it turns out to really be a guy named Ben, I'm going to get really freaked out. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, uh, you know, personally, I do think Lori Bruno is the real deal. I have um, been to her personally. And, uh, and that's why I knew to call her. And I knew that, uh, that she had worked on missing persons cases in the past. And, uh, and I realize I'm going out on a limb and just saying this at all. Um, you know, I think most people who are open to the idea of psychics, if they went to see Lori Bruno, they would walk away convinced. I know a lot of, uh, friends and family of mine actually have also gone to her. And, uh, another story about, uh, an aunt of mine who, uh, stormed out after after a few minutes of speaking with Laurie Bruno because she was really upset at something she told her, <laughs> and uh, and Laurie Bruno said, "I'm sorry." That's what I see, and uh, and she got really furious. Um, so I do believe Laurie Bruno is the real deal as far as you know if, if psychics exist, you know are real. I think Laurie has that power. Um, obviously, though, no one in that field can bat a thousand. No one could be right a hundred percent of the time. Um, You know, she can't even be right 50% of the time to be, to be honest. But a lot of times with Lori, uh, she'll say things and, you know, you write them down or you record them and then your life develops a year down the line. You look back at that and you say, Holy shit. She was right about this. Or she was like, Oh, I didn't know the, this person named Ben or Kathleen, but now I do. Now I work with this person and sit right next to them And they're a friend of mine. So, stuff like that does happen with Larry Bruno. So, I would not be surprised if she was right with that stuff. But it is, um, you know, it did piss a lot of people off that we even really entertained the idea. Um, but at the same time, it pissed, it, it probably, uh, we probably got as many good tweets and emails about that as we did bad ones. Um, people saying, you know, I don't believe in psychics, but thank you for investigating this angle anyway, because, you know, you, that's what you guys said you were going to do. You were going to try to take a look at every possible angle.
2: And honestly, it wasn't, um, it, I, I don't think I would have been a hundred percent behind it had the, uh, had the Murray's not done it themselves. So I just, I, I thought that it was something that you know, we could try because they tried it. They're looking for every single angle. So, Hey, we might as well look for every single angle as well.
1: The police and FBI, you know, constantly, you know, they don't make a big deal of it, but they, they constantly use psychics, um, as, as part of their, their investigation. Right. Um, they listen to the leads as they come in and the FBI agents I've talked to on crimes like this, um, on cases like this, I should say, um, you know, they, they, they will say kind of what Lance has said before, which is I'm not saying they're not saying we believe in psychics, you know, in this mysticism or whatever. But they have an intuition that some people don't have a different way of looking at the world, a new perspective. And subconsciously, they might be pulling together some some bits that we we just don't catch. Um, and yeah. so it offers a fresh perspective, you know, and what 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 harm is there in that?
2: Right, exactly, and we're not talking anything that's paranormal there. You're talking something that's more intuitive and, and scientific.
0: But to answer the second, uh, to actually answer the question about if we're going to use another psychic, uh, we have messaged with Brian Ladd, the um, the uh, fellow who calls himself a schizophrenic dreaming psychic, and uh, he did get back to us, so I think he's, he did say he was going to do a reading for us, so I'm not sure if that if he, if he meant on air or not. I haven't heard from him in a few days, but uh, I think we, we should... You know, have him on to talk about what he finds. Maybe in that paranormal episode, um, a little bit down the line.
2: Yeah, but we're probably not gonna like like seek out another psychic who doesn't know about the case, right?
0: Right, Please. right. Okay. But I do think it's worth it to follow um, the leads, and uh, and you know, we had enough people curious about the Ben comments and everything that I think we owe it to people to um, interview Brian Ladd.
2: Yep. Yep. Agreed.
0: Here's a good one from Emily. What are the chances Mora could have been kidnapped and held captive and remains that way, just like Amanda Berry in Ohio and countless others?
1: I did spend uh, two months researching the Amanda Berry and Gina DeJesus cases, um, you know, and uh, obviously now we've seen how that's resolved and that, you know, so things like that do happen. Um, I think, uh, again, if, Mora didn't leave on her own. I I strongly believe the only other explanation is that she, um, she died at the hands of somebody that she knew. Um, it's the it's only other that- thing that makes sense. You know. Yeah, I, I, I I will. You know. Again, the the tandem driver is is. You know, that's the theory that I stick by, and it, and it still meshes with this new information I have. Um, but it takes it in a different way. I'm sorry, Lance.
2: Oh no! I was just agreeing with you. I, uh, usually, people are murdered by people they know,
1: yeah, and I don't think somebody she knows would would have been able to hold her captive. You know, I don't. I certainly don't think she's sitting up in a cabin up there.
2: But a lot of people in Ohio probably said the same thing about Amanda Barry.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: James, am I incorrect when I say that um, that you you wrote a uh, a book? About one of the uh, the Cleveland the women who were in the in uh, the Cleveland. Um...
1: Yeah, I wrote a, an article. It was in a book called The Serial Killer Apprentice. Um, it was a chapter in that book. And and, and again, it was my research into the case. I spent a couple months on it. I met with uh, the, the Jesus family. I met with the Barry family, um, and the FBI. We all met at the FBI office, and we went over the case. And at the time, we really thought they were they were unconnected. We thought, even though they they were both. They both disappeared within a block of each other. A year apart, we thought that the cases were unconnected because there was such a good suspect for Amanda Berry. Um the police pulled over her boyfriend and um looked in the trunk and there was like it looked like blood all over the trunk. And they went to get the warrant, and by the time they got back with the warrant, he had cleaned out his trunk. So they're like, Mm -hmm. Well, we know who did it, we just don't have enough evidence on him. And then of course now we know. Uh, they were sitting in a house, you know, at Ariel Castro's place. Um, and I'm always going to think about that case, um, you know, and I know anything's possible, but, you know, you still have to look at the probabilities here. Um, yeah. And and I really think if you take a hard look at this case and what I've come out on the other side after spending all these years researching it, the most probable explanation is that, uh, that there was a tandem vehicle involved um, and, um, either, you know, and from there, either Mora went on and lived her merry life and had a much better time of it, or she was murdered by that person that was driving the tandem car.
2: Oh, writer Nancy just asked if anyone has read James Renner's fiction, man from primrose lane. Very good. Good. <laughs> and I can answer that. Yes, I have read it. It's very good. It's about an
1: out-of-work journalist uh, who is slowly being driven insane by an unsolved uh, cold case. So, write what you know.
2: That's a stretch, huh?
0: (laughs) Here's a question from The Base Effect. Maura had her keys. A search with metal detectors should be conducted, right? That's a pretty good good point um, because she did have her keys, right? She definitely um, locked locked the car from the outside. And her keys were not found in the car. So, yeah, I mean, I suppose if if, Maura, if Maura's body is out there in the nearby area, there's a chance that uh, a metal detector would pick up her keys, I suppose. It, um, does anyone know if, I mean, they, if they used metal detectors? They must have.
2: They had to have. They had helicopters with, like, heat detectors, heat sensors. They had to have.
1: You know, I talked to... Um... Uh, Scarinza, who was um, with the state police, um, Troop F, and uh, he he was up in a helicopter on Wednesday afternoon. And just to, you know, because it goes back to that, there's still this notion, everybody comes to it, well, she, she got in the accident and she walked off into the woods, maybe dropped her keys there, whatever, you know, you could look there. But after talking to Skirinza, um, I, I'm convinced that, that she... Certainly didn't walk away. She she didn't walk into the woods. Definitely not. Um, didn't walk down the road. And this is why he said he sat in that helicopter and they they, they brushed the treetops. They were very close. He said he could see in such detail that he remembers looking down and seeing this this red fox um, walking walking through the the forest. And he could see the red fox's footprints. He saw the footprints first and then then followed them and they saw the fox. Now it had snowed. But it hadn't snowed since the accident, so there was this nice fine powder. Perfect conditions to see footprints, and it had been preserved since the night uh, of the the accident. It hadn't snowed since, so if she would have walked into the woods, if she had walked into the woods, they would have seen the footprints. Um, And there just there were no footprints there. And they did two extensive searches and found the body. Um, so she's not in the woods, uh, anywhere near the accident site.
2: And that, um, I don't see him on, but when we had, uh, I don't know if Clint is on here right now. I'm not sure. I don't see him. But um, when we had him on, he had talked about the weather. The you had a, And it was really an interesting point, how to figure out what the weather was like for that night and not to look at what the weather was like for the day of the disappearance, to look at the weather starting at midnight the day after, and you'd get a more accurate description of what the weather was like so it was unseasonably like it was it was a little bit warmer than what it what it should have been and there was like a fine like snow that had gone uh that that had fallen right
1: my understanding from what you know from the from the officers i talked to and the, the the reports i've read um it was unseasonably warm and it had not snowed
2: oh okay but, okay, so when did that fine snow happen that you mentioned?
1: Earlier that day of the disappearance, before the, okay. before the accident, yeah. Okay.
2: And it can, it can, it can, there can be a fine snow at, like, 30 degrees, so it's not like you hear snow and it's got to be, you know, negative seven. Right. Yeah. Right, right.
0: Here's a question from Jay. With recent developments, is the red truck more relevant now than previously?
2: But well, what a! I mean, what are the recent developments? I I think he means James's uh, blog post. <laughs> <laughs> or just throw James under the bus. <laughs>
1: so okay, a couple things. Um, one, uh, the red truck is interesting. There were definitely there was definitely a red truck there. Whether it figures into this, I don't know. In one report, um. The woman that saw it was able to grab a license plate. She has turned over that name. It's a local guy. I've looked into it. I can't find anything in this guy's past. So it's very, very likely the red truck It would just happen to be a red truck that was passing by. Um, That said, maybe it it could fit in with this new information. Uh, We'll see. Uh, I don't know. Um, I will say this uh lance uh, i'm going to throw you under the bus too lance knows what this information is at least part of it he he knows part of it um and uh i i the reason i haven't reported on it yet a couple reasons i'm still chasing a a few things to to button up Uh, but two i wanted to let the case unit have a chance to look at it now um i have asked them um if it would be detrimental to come out with this information and um the response I got from them, um, uh, makes me think that it would not be, um, and may in fact be helpful. Um, so, uh, I will, uh, I, I guess this is the big exclusive at the moment. Um, I'm going to post that information at noon on Friday.
0: Can't wait (laughs) on the edge of my seat here. Uh, the internet is going to shut down.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You're going to put that on your blog at uh, noon on Friday.
1: Eastern E.T., Eastern Standard Time, noon Friday. It's going up, um, and uh, and we'll see what, what everybody makes of it. Um, it certainly led, leads me to believe that um, my thoughts on the case are, are very different than they were a week ago. Um, whether or not it figures into directly what happened to Maura Murray, the fate of Maura Murray, is yet to be decided. I know it's very interesting information to the police, but um, it will certainly go a long way to explain um, another motive that uh, more had to want to leave her
2: life. And you're just holding this back because it's um, not legally allowed that you share it.
1: Well, no, nobody's saying I can't share it. Nobody's saying I can't share it right now. Uh, but um, I want to... Uh, do my due diligence and make sure I've got all the I's dotted and T's crossed and make sure that there's not um, a piece here that I don't have. Um, And I want it full and complete, and it's going to take me a couple days to kind of pull all of that together. I'm still running background checks through a private investigator on some of these um, people that are involved directly with this information.
0: A question from Leah Kinnan. She says uh, has James shared this new information with us and has it changed our ideas also? Uh, this one I guess is for me and Lance and uh, and I guess I'll I'll take I'll start with it because uh, we did I think we did answer this question a little bit on the uh, crime writers on serial show um, but I know speaking for myself, my my opinion in what happened to mora changes almost every episode.
2: Yeah, what what uh what what he's working on right now, um yeah, it it opened up something that I, you know, initially looked at and thought to myself, "Oh, okay, that's a possibility." And then just kind of um read through everything and realized that it probably wasn't a possibility. Uh and now it's uh, reopened that, so yeah, it's it's uh it's changing my idea of things.
0: Here's a question for James um, from Kim Bodapade. James, do you feel this is more of an obsession now versus an interesting true crime case?
1: Um, is it, is it an obsession? Is that the question? Did, uh, yeah, well, um, the book, um, the book that comes out in May is called true crime addict. Um, and, uh, yes. So yes, it's a, uh, it, it, it is an obsession. Um, it was, you know, um, the, the addict in there is is you know there's several meanings in there that that will become more clear uh, when the book comes out. but um, I, I think you know I, I know Lance would agree with this. I know uh, I, I don't know if Tim has ever been pulled this far, but you know there are times uh, early on I think where we really got sucked into this case and this mystery. Um, and I think like every good addict, um, we've come to learn, um, you know, how close we can allow ourselves to get to this mystery now. And we, we put up a guard, we put up a fence, and we know what's unhealthy and what's not. We don't allow ourselves to get that invested into this case anymore. Um, you know, my investment is uh, a, a journalist, um, I'm, and I, I don't take this stuff personally anymore. Um, yeah. So, and I, you know, that's, that's yeah, so obsession, yes, but you learn to, um, to do it in a, in a healthy manner, I think.
2: Yeah, it's like a managed obsession, and, <laughs> and yeah, and it, there have been people, and you know these people. I'm not going to say them, but there have been people who have looked into this case so far and gotten themselves so deep into it that they can't even like they can't look at it anymore. They they've gone to the crash site and they've kind of lost themselves, and they just cannot like they can't stomach it anymore.
1: It reminds me. Of, it reminds me of that character in. Um... Uh, what was that Charlie Kaufman movie Uh, adaptation, the guy that was really into fish and he got all these, these aquariums and got all this stuff in his house and all this fish. And then one day he just had so many fish that he got rid of them all because fuck fish, you know, he was done with fish. Um, And that's, that's what it gets like to this case. And you build up and build up and some people, they reach that level and they realize, you know, it's that moment where you realize ah, this is unhealthy and some of them go away and never come back, and others, you know, learn to uh, come at it in a in a more healthy manner. I think.
2: And and do you think it's unhealthy because um, because you're coming at it from a you've been a writer and a and a journalist. Like that's your trade. That's what you've been doing for most of your life. And some of these people that have gone into it and kind of lost themselves, they were, you know, whatever, a dentist or a, or a lawyer or something else, and it started to absolutely suck everything out of their regular life.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I think it helps um, to have that that background for sure. Um, y- you know, you, some, you you have what to. to saying,
2: what am I doing? doing? I'm ruining everything in my own life because of this. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. And how do you explain that to people? Like, you know, it's just not good right. dinner conversation.
0: Here's a good question from Truck Stop Twank. Uh, what about Hussein Baghdadi? He was a PhD student at UMass Amherst when he was dating Mora. Was he there to wor- on work-study scholarship? And uh, as we know, he was the tra- Maura's track coach that she was reportedly having an affair with. Yeah. Um, yeah, we haven't talked um, much about him on the show yet.
1: First of all... Um, you know, uh, Truck Stop Twank. Uh, you, you know, <laughs> what a great name. Um, that's a great handle. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, Hussein, Hussein, Hussein Baghdadi is a, a very interesting character. Um, you know, he... Uh, I will give him credit, though. Um, you know, he has never... I don't think this guy has ever lied to me, and he had a very good reason to lie. And everybody in this case lied to me um and continues to lie in weird ways um you know but Hussein Baghdadi when I called him up and you know this is more his former track coach and I and I say you know hey I got these people telling me you had an affair with with more and he said yeah and uh and I'm like well how much do you want to go into it and he told me you know I mean he got into detail you know about being in bed with her um and and how she never talked about her father she never talked about her family but, you know, in bed with her, um, she would talk about how uncomfortable Billy made her and how she was thinking about leaving Billy. Um, and she would also talk about running away. Like, legitimately, like, like specifically talk to this guy about running away. And she was talking about maybe Mexico. Um, and he was trying to get her out of that relationship with Bill Roush. And, uh, you know, he didn't need to tell me that. Yeah, so... so You know, I've been burned before, um, but, you know, I I trust this guy. I trust Hussein Baghdadi. You know, and he's out there making a a, a living and he has a family and he's doing well. Um, I don't think he had anything to do with what happened.
2: Can we really call it an affair anyway? I mean, was he was he married at the time?
1: I don't think he was. Um, You know, it was a little illicit, you know, for a couple of reasons. Um, Maura was on again, off again with 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 Billy at the time. Um, and, uh, and also because, you know, couldn't have it be public or else, um, you know, they either had, would have had to stop hooking up or, um, he would have not been able to be a, a coach. It might've been some trouble for him on that. And, and they, they knew that and they, that's why they kept it a secret. Um, you know, and, and also because of, of Billy Roush. Yeah.
0: Here's another one from the base effect. What do you guys think will happen if Mora is found alive? And that sort of gets into a little bit of a moral ground for, uh, for everyone here. Um, and James, I know you've answered this on your blog before saying, uh, oh, actually you can, you can tell us what you've said.
1: I can't remember. Um, th- that was so long. No, yeah. uh, if she was found alive, um, I, I you know, I had so many questions. Uh, I hope she would tell us all about, you know, why she did what she did, um, and uh, you know, I, I fill us in on uh, on her father, fill us in on, on Billy Roush, um, fill us in on um, you know Kate and Sarah, and what led her to New Hampshire in the first place that day, and what she was doing up there. Um, you know, uh, I I would love it if she came forward with her story. Um, you know, because you know, the more you know, I I hope she's alive. Um, yeah, I think it would be great. I think it would be another. You know, case of the the Cleveland girls.
0: Yeah, it would uh, it would be really cool to uh, to end this podcast with an interview with Maura Marty <laughs> and then we could all just uh, not worry about it any longer. And, and I don't think Lance and I, you know, Lance and I have talked about it. I don't think we we would have obviously any reason to disclose her location if she is somewhere and she wants to be. You know, uh, you know, Marianne. Uh, So, you know, instead of Mora or or whatever it is, you know, I think uh, I think we would gladly let her keep on living her life as is. And but we would love to talk to her. And as you said, James, ask her some of these uh, questions. And I think it would be a nice ending to this podcast. But uh, I have no idea if it's heading that way or not. Here's another question from uh, or a question from our pal Aurelia. Lance, why did the Alden Olson videos make you gravitate towards this case?
2: Um, (laughs) Yeah. Well, have you seen the videos? Um, yeah, they, uh, well, I was always, um, following the case for, for, uh, for a number of years and was following James's blog for a little while. And, um, yeah, I just remember, uh, checking the blog one night and seeing that, uh, There was a a posting up about the Bretton Woods ski pass ticket, and I went on YouTube and watched the video, and it was just that Ken Burns effect that goes into the ski pass, and it shows the date on it, and the title of the video was Maura Murray, and it was like two days before the eight-year anniversary or something. Um, So I called up James. I don't know if I've said this story on air, have I? I can't remember. I don't think so. No. So I called (laughs) up I called up James, and uh, it was the first time him and I ever spoke. And I, I, I just said, "What do you What do you make of this uh, this this video?" And he said, "I don't know, but it it may or may not confirm some suspicions about a certain person in this case." And I and I was like, "Okay." And we we wrapped up the conversation, and I went back to doing what I was doing, and uh, I was just refreshing the YouTube page for the um, one twelve dirt bag. Uh, user and I saw the video go from one to two so that means he posted a second video within the time that I was refreshing it. and I refreshed it probably every like three minutes or something while I was working on this thing that I was working on and uh, so I look at it and there's no views so that means I'm the first viewer and I watch it and it just it like made my it made my blood go cold it really it was probably at that time up in in, in my life it was probably one of the most genuine. Uh, scares I've ever had in my life uh, to watch that video, <laughs> and um, and first for yeah. for, a, for a while I was actually thinking, um, like we're watching this guy. This is the guy who did it. Like it was there was no question in my head when I was watching it that this is the guy who did it, and he's taunting everybody, and he's going to delete this video. So I call up James again, and I said, "Have you seen the other video?" And he said, "What are the other video?" And I listened to him watch the video. And I listened to the video, uh, over the phone. I could hear the laughter and I could hear James kind of reacting to it. And, um, and I said to That's him, it's a nice
1: way of saying I screamed like a little girl. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, I said to him, uh, and this is the part of the, I, this, this answers the question. Um, this, this is why, uh, um, Alden Olson videos, uh, gravitated me to the, to the case. Uh, I said to James, I asked him, is this the person that you were talking about when you said uh, I I, may or may not confirm suspicions about a certain person? And he said, I have no idea who that person is. And I just went like cold when he said that, like the hair stood up on the back of my neck. And I to have somebody tell me that who's been so thorough in this investigation and out of the blue, somebody comes up with this video that he's never seen before. It confirmed everything about Alden Olsen to me at that time that this was a guy who murdered her and he was taunting everybody. And for the next month of my life, I ripped every single video that he put on YouTube. I still have a a hard drive that has those videos on it. And I was absolutely obsessed with what he was uh, putting out there. And it turns out to be, you know, probably garbage. And I wasted like two months of my life. Um, Maybe I didn't waste too much, two two months of my life. It probably wasn't a waste, but. He's just like throwing like just random stuff in a video and people start following it and they start trying to like connect the dots. Um, I mean, I can't tell you how long I looked at these videos uh, trying to get license plate numbers off of trucks that were driving by in the video where he has the, the rain and it's just him and the, you know, that was, and honestly that was like one of the creepiest videos that I saw. The laughing video was really creepy, but the video of the, just the camera, I think it was called bodies of water. And uh, he's just got the camera out the windshield, and it's raining, and the windshield wipers are going back and forth. And um, cars were coming around under a bridge. I seriously, like, was looking for where this video was shot. And um,
1: he certainly wanted us to think that that he did it. I mean, there's no other explanation for the way he came out with it and what he did with it. Um, and it's it was totally freaky. And you know, and then to have you know sit down and see that first video is one thing, and and then. Weeks later, to open it up, and see that he's got pictures of your five-year-old son, uh, set to creepy music on YouTube. That was a totally other level. I, I, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, did you lose your shit when you saw that?
1: <laughs> if I would have known, if I would have known at that time who he was, uh, I would have gone. Uh, Mel Gibson on him or something. Um, so I'm glad I didn't know who he was at the time. I wish they would have prosecuted him when we found out, but uh, uh, they just wouldn't.
0: Switching topics a little bit here, um, we got tweeted and emailed um, about a news article that happened uh, or that, that really broke maybe a week ago about a college student who was murdered in 1984, Uh, was found alive and living in germany and uh, and i just wanted to bring it up because we got so many emails about it and tweets about it and have you guys heard of this case and she wasn't actually murdered she was she was found alive but she had basically left her life
2: yeah right Uh, she'd been declared dead or she yeah they had a body right am i Um, yeah yeah, let me yeah
0: In 1984, Petra, a uh, 24-year-old computer science student, failed to show up at her brother's birthday party, setting off massive police search. Um, She was uh, living in student housing at the time in a German city that I cannot pronounce here on a live show. Um, But yes, there was never a body found, and the case was closed in 1989. And then just recently, there was, I believe... If I I can't see it here in this article, but there was a crime, I believe, in the neighborhood or in the apartment complex or something like that where she lives now. And when she was questioned by the police about this thing, completely separate to this, she told them who she really was, which is kind of interesting, I I think. But, um, yeah, you you guys have any thoughts on that?
1: It shows that it's it's possible. You know, it, it shows that it can happen, that it has happened. I think that's important.
2: Yep, and it goes back to the um, Castro thing in Ohio. Small percentage of something like this could happen. Absolutely, yeah.
0: Here's another uh, a quick story, sort of on the uh, other angle of of what may have happened to Mora. Um, we got emailed from a buddy of ours uh, named Steve, who uh, who his girlfriend um, Carol was uh, was driving on the interstate in uh, the Pacific Northwest. This is about 15 years ago. about 11 p.m. dark and rainy she had a tire pop and uh, she got she pulled over got out of the car about two to five minutes later a pickup truck pulling a trailer pulled over she noticed gardening and landscaping tools in the trailer he was a uh, a man about six feet big and strong and he uh, he had a white jumpsuit on he went up to her and asked her if she needed help and uh actually he as he went up and he, he noticed the car and that there was a car seat in the back seat. And the first thing he said was, do you have a kid? She said yes. She didn't have a kid with her there. Um, but he proceeded to change the tire for her, not talking much, uh, You know, going reasonably quickly. I guess it was raining a little bit. He changed the tire, stood up, and then shook her hand. And as he shook her hand and he held her hand, he said, do you believe in God? And he stared right deeply into her eyes. And she was kind of startled by the question and the fact that he wouldn't let go of her hand. She thought for a split second about, you know, what answer is going to get her out of this. And she said, yes. And he said, good, because I think he helped you out tonight. Um, just wanted no, you to... You can
2: take wow. that... Yeah. Read that email as well. And you can take it in this, like, nefarious, like, you know, you know dark way. Or you could just... You know, if you say that this guy, if you say that this guy was, you know, the nicest guy in the world and and he said, do you believe in God? And she says, yes. And and he says, because he just helped you out this night. You know, he could have easily been talking about, hey, your tire could have really blown out and you could have got into a serious accident. This guy was not trying to kidnap her. Yeah, it it is a I think my my response to that email was, why am I reading this? (laughs) Like, what is this? Why am I reading it? It's. I mean you can you can write anything. You can write anything and say that this is this is supposed to be um sinister and you can look at it that way. Or I could I could show you this email if you didn't see it before and say look at what a good samaritan this guy is. And you'd read it and say this guy this this guy helped her out before something bad happened.
0: Absolutely. There's no question you can take that in many different ways. He might have just been a religious guy and or maybe you know maybe he's He's a, a an avid churchgoer, but maybe he's not. W- what if she said no? You know, <laughs> it w- I mean, how would he've reacted then? Who Who the hell knows? Just you wanted to throw it out there. Say yes <laughs>
2: <laughs> when a stranger asks you that question. You always say yes.
0: James, I uh, was wondering. Uh, we had mentioned on. I know we we spoke before, um, probably back in w- during the the Canada trip about. Um, Someone at the Swiftwater stage shop uh, getting angry with you and, and chasing you out with a baseball bat. And uh I was wondering if we could hear yeah. that uh that account from you.
1: So okay, yeah. Um so I go up there, I'm by myself, and uh I stopped in at the the Swiftwater Stage Shop, which is this log cabin-y kind of convenience store that's uh, about a mile from where Maura got into the accident up there. And I thought, "Hey, let me stop here and see if they know anything because everybody kind of in this area must come in kind of into this convenience store to buy toilet paper in the middle of the winter because there's nothing else nearby unless you want to travel 5 miles back to the to the Walmart, I guess. But um, you know, that's the most convenient place. So I go in there, and uh, there's this guy behind the counter, bald head, and uh, I'm like, hey, I'm a journalist, and uh, I'm here writing about Maura Murray. Is there anything you can tell me about her? Um, and specifically, at that time, I was, I was interested in getting a little more information about the guy on the corner um, that was questioned by police. And, uh, and he said, uh, um, essentially, you know, I have nothing to say to you. I'm tired of talking about that missing woman. Um, and you better get out of my store right now. Um, and, uh, you know, I was, this was five years ago and um, you're not as wise as I am today. Uh, you know, I, I, when somebody tells me to, you know, uh, get out of their place of business when I'm, you know, trying to get information about a missing person, my blood starts to boil and I don't want to listen to them anymore um, and so I kind of I kind of grinned at him and and I'm like well it's really interesting to me that you know a guy that owns a business here that would have information on this case that might be helpful in finding a missing woman um, doesn't want to say anything ab- about her I said why would you know why would that be why would you be so against talking about this? Uh, you know, and, and he said, I'm going to tell you one more time to get out of my store. I'm going to bash your head in. And, uh, and I said, uh, well, I don't know that I want to go just yet. And, uh, and then he reached underneath his, uh, counter and he came out with this big bat and, uh, and he came up to me and at that point I'm heading out of the door and, uh, um, we get on the front steps, and I turn back around, and I'm like, I wonder what the police would say right now. Um, this man chasing me out of out of his store for asking questions about this missing woman, um, and and so he didn't like that either, and he came at me and uh, and went up to swing, and we both look over, and just it's you know perfect scene out of a movie. There are these biker guys hanging out eating sandwiches, and they just kind of look at us, and we look at them, and the guy you know, puts down his bat and walks back in, and I turn around and get my car and leave. Um, You know, so that was my incident at the Swiftwater uh, shop there. Um, You know, I I clearly antagonized the guy. Um, I can understand, I guess, that, you know, he's tired of talking about the case. Um, I still think when a reporter comes in, you know, help him out a little bit, you know, point him in the right direction. Um, and certainly not worth bashing his head in. But um, there were two hotheads dealing with each other, and, and it almost went to blows, as they say.
2: Chloe here says she met the uh, guy at the Swiftwater store. Said she he was extremely sweet and friendly to me and my sister. I couldn't believe after that it was the same guy who attacked, same guy who attacked James.
1: Uh, I don't, I, you know, I it was partly my fault. I'm sure. <laughs>
0: Here's a question from Kristen Short. She is asking about a sighting of Mora, or potentially Mora and uh, some friends, at a local party store around where she got into the accident. Uh, Party store, I assume, being a liquor store. Uh, What do you think the chances are that it was her um, after this new info that you learned? If that's if that has anything, um, if that would change your opinion at all on this uh, clue?
1: I don't know how it fits in. Um, uh, I, I really don't know how it fits in. Um, you know, there's, you know, I'm going to put the information out there, you know, mostly because I want to see if it generates any other leads and new information. Um, it's an interesting sighting. Another thing that's interesting to me about this, uh, it, it was at the Butson's, um, which was a grocery store back then, and, um, you know, and you know, there's this cashier that sure she saw more there with with two other women the day that she went missing. Um, you know, it's credible enough to look into. Fred certainly was interested in it. He tried to get the video feed from, you know, the surveillance cameras in the store. Um, but, uh, Uh, what's interesting to me is that the family never disclosed that, you know, they, they talked about some other sightings and, you know, they feed these leads out to the public. That to me seems like a very important lead. And I don't know why they never shared that.
0: Here's one from Christiane. And actually uh, we should probably stop in the next few minutes, uh, maybe but a couple more questions here. Um, Christiane, I'm
1: actually gonna, I, I, I'm sorry to, sorry to interrupt. Um, I'm going to have to take off here and like. In in two minutes, um, um, if, I mean, feel free to continue on. Um, but uh, I, I gotta I, I gotta head upstairs. Got a family looking looking to see what I'm doing, and I told them 9:30. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, we're going uh, just a few minutes over. Um, yeah, how about two more questions? We'll just do. Uh, if you if you got a split, that's um, totally cool. Thank you very much for joining us. Butch said that uh, when he initially saw a picture of Mora, he said that it wasn't. That's not the person I saw um could it i know this is a little bit of speculation maybe but could it have been uh her sister or a brunette friend and do they all have alibis for that time
1: i don't know what the i don't know what the police have as far as alibis They're you know and again we're talking about people that have never talked to me so i don't know if kate markopoulos necessarily has an alibi i don't know if kathleen murray does i don't know um about some of these other you know but you know certainly more had bears a passing resemblance to both Kathleen her sister uh and uh Keith Markopoulos you know um for so, what it's worth I'm not saying that they that they that they were there that they were driving I don't I don't think they were um but I don't know I don't know about these alibis
2: I just think that the picture that the that was shown probably didn't show You know, it was probably the class picture, right, of Mora. And it definitely wouldn't look like somebody that has just gotten into an accident. So you can see him looking at it and say, no, that's not her at all. And then thinking about it after they point out certain features.
0: And last question of the night, thank you guys so much for uh, for asking all these questions. Um, this made this a lot of fun for us. We were a little unsure if we were gonna have uh have to come up with um content ourselves or if um, all these questions would uh, would filter in and be as good as they've been and you guys delivered and then some so thank you so much
2: and sorry for sorry sorry to interrupt, but sorry for not getting to every single one of them. It really has been like way it's been a good turnout. It's been a great turnout, and we're going to do this again, right?
0: Yeah, I think we need to. Um, But, uh, yeah, and as far as the emails go, I think we started responding to every single email uh, when this show first started, and it quickly became overwhelming for us. So if you've emailed us and we haven't gotten back to you, that's why. Um, And if it's something that you think we must talk about, please send it again. Um, Okay, so last question here tonight from John Burkle uh, is a little bit of a fun one um if there if slash when there is a resolution to this case which Hollywood a-lister will get to play Mora and will get to play Fred I think we actually talked about this uh on our trip to Canada as well to tell you the truth um I my, my answer is Jennifer Lawrence for Mora well she's oh, like, yeah shes yeah, that'd
2: she's that'd in work. everything yeah
0: yeah, yeah right. I, I think so she's um yeah, yeah.
1: but w- what about Fred yeah I, I don't that's a good question. Sam
2: Elliott. Man. Rutger Hauer? <laughs>
1: oh, there you go. That's actually not a bad idea. I like Rutger Hauer. Can we get Peter Sarsgaard to play Lance? Sure.
2: sure. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And one of the Dupless brothers to play you. You can see
0: that, yeah, Mark Duplis yeah. Okay, well, thank you guys, uh, James and Lance, for joining me and and uh, on this show here tonight and on this live show. This is a this is a great, as far as I'm concerned, a great success here tonight. A lot of fun. Um, so sure. thank you guys. It yeah. was a blast. And and uh, thank you guys for listening and uh, and commenting and asking questions. You guys really made this show a lot of fun for us, and um, you'll make this week's podcast um, hopefully captivating for uh, the people who weren't here tonight.
2: Yeah, and um, everybody, just uh, stay tuned. Sorry, sorry, stay tuned for uh, more information about the uh, November seventh uh, meetup that we have coming up. Um, just like a meet and greet, we'll you know have some food, have some beverage, and uh, and just talk about the case. And we'll probably roll uh, some audio and some uh, some video on it as well. But uh, yeah, just wanted to uh, extend the, these comments are amazing. I can't stop reading them. Uh, thanks, guys. It was it was fun.
1: Thanks for having me on, too. Thank you very
0: much. We'll see you again very soon. And keep those tweets and emails coming. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much.
2: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com.
1: It's my little escape.
2: Now Judy's the life of the party.
1: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon.
2: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. Judy.